Love Talk going on? What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Long Beach Joe here. Uh, man, boy, do we have a show today. Uh, we're going to be talking football uh, with Marty Lyons very soon. We also have a breast cancer guest uh, that we want to, uh, you know, come on and share his, you know, his thoughts and his foundation uh, fighting against breast cancer. So uh, we'll definitely have them on in a second. But today's show is definitely going to be about um, just the state of the Jets, where they are right now, what's going on, um, how this team has <laughs> you know, found itself in a situation that it's in, being 0-4, um, all the things that's kind of going wrong within this situation as well. Um, and just kind of t- also talking about the state of where we are with the players, like some of the players, how they're performing, how some aren't performing. I know people have questions about Sam Darnold. We all know he's dealing with that AC uh, joint sprain as well. So we're going to cover all that today. We're going to cover all these things. We're going to talk about this team and the state. So listen, I am the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on The Long Beach Joe Show. So without further ado, folks, let's go ahead and get into the show. I am fired up. Listen. We're looking at the situation right now, and the Jets are 0-4, 0-4. And it has not been pretty. It has not been a a pretty 0-4 at all. (laughs) Uh, There's been issues left and right. Uh, There's situations left and right where we've seen the team really go into games unprepared, not ready, uh, you know, not not prepared to win whatsoever. Uh, We've seen the offense struggle. We've seen the defense struggle. Uh, there's been major issues, but when you look at the situation, a lot of things that, or one of the the main guys that people are looking at right now is Adam Gaze. Uh, you look at the situation with Bill O'Brien, he ends up getting fired with the Texans. The narrative before was, hey, the reason why the Jets should not fire Adam Gaze is because, you know, it could ruin Sam Darnold. It could potentially affect his growth as a young quarterback. And, the Texans pulled the plug easy and they have a young quarterback as well. So that narrative kind of goes away and dies right there. And so when you look at this situation, you're saying, okay, well, the Texans saw, Hey, look, Bill O'Brien, you know, we've seen some success with him in the past. We've seen him be able to put some things together. We've won, you know, the division with him before we've had playoff runs with him before, but look, he's doing damage to this football team. He's doing damage to, you know, the potential and the future of this team. So we need to move on from him. We need to do whatever we can to stop the damage, to stop, you know, this, this bleeding before it becomes irreversible. We need to handle business at all costs. We cannot allow this guy to drag this franchise down and completely kill, you know, kill this team and also kill the future, you know, with our quarterback as well, because Watson is suffering because of some of the things that he's done, whether it be via trade, whether it also be his, you know, his, um, his handling of, of Watson on the field as well. So you look at the New York Jets and you're saying to yourself, <laughs> what is your excuse? <laughs> uh, what is your excuse? Uh, how exactly can you, you know, sit around and say, well, you know, I, I think we should keep gays because everything's going to be good. Well, no, because we're seeing him also hurt uh, Sam Darnold. We're seeing him also hurt this team offensively. We're seeing him hurt this team, period, as a head coach. 
And so you look at yourself and you think, hey, when are the Jets going to stop the bleeding? When are the Jets going to look around and go, well, you know, this is not the guy. This is not the guy that's going to, you know, really lead us. We've seen all the issues. We've seen the various issues that he has, you know, trying to put, trying to keep this team together on a weekly basis. We've seen the issues that he has, you know, coaching Darnold. We've seen the issues that he has trying to keep this offense together. Why don't we move on from him? You know, when, are, when is Chris Johnson, Woody Johnson, when are these guys going to get it together and say, you know what, this is not the guy. Look, we hired him. We made a mistake. It's time to move on. When are we going to see that? When? Because until we see that, until we make a move here, we're going to be stuck in this situation where he's ruining his football team. Not only is he ruining the football team, but he's also making it a lot harder for you to assess what you actually have as far as talent offensively because he's so bad as an offensive coordinator. The Texans got it right. The Texans look at the situation and they said, hey, look, <laughs> it's time for us to move on. We cannot sit around and let this guy continue to ruin our football team. We've got to move on from him, and we've got to do it now. And they stopped the bleeding. So I commend the Texans. I'm waiting for the Jets to step up. I'm waiting for the Jets to put it together in their brains and say, listen, we've got to do exactly the same. But we're going to continue on for it with that tonight, folks. So everyone that wants to call in, please do. The number is 515-602-9639. We're definitely going to be talking about the state of the New York Jets. We're going to cover, you know, the, the game we have coming on down the road. But tonight is all about evaluation of players, where we are currently, again, 0-4. And, you know, the, the state of the Jets as far as the head coaching as well, state of the franchise. So we'll definitely cover that tonight. But now we're going to go to the lines. We're going to talk with Mr. Brian Henry of the Beats to Breathe Breast Cancer Foundation. Let me tell you something. I partnered with the Suji G. Komen Foundation this year as well to put in my fight against breast cancer. But he's going to come on and tell us everything about what he's doing to fight against breast cancer and his experience, uh, you know, dealing with someone that has breast cancer as well. So I want to welcome uh, Mr. Brian Henry on. Mr. Henry, I want to welcome you to the Long Beach Joe Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great as well. So I want to get right into it with you. Uh, can you tell us how it affected you to kind of receive the news of your mother being diagnosed with uh, cancer? Sure. Sure. I appreciate it. Even before we dive in, just thank you for having me on the show this afternoon. This evening. I, I certainly appreciate any opportunity to kind of share the narrative of our family in hopes of that it makes a difference in all the families uh, who may be experiencing it or even prevent it in, in, in other families experiencing it. Uh, but my story is our story, rather. My family story is very unique. Originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and um, my mother was diagnosed as with breast cancer when she was only uh, 33 years old, going into her 34th year, you know. And it was a 14-month battle from diagnosis to her untimely death when she was 35. And, you know, most of, most of all detections that are out there, they really encourage women to not even look into breast cancer screening, you know, and mammograms until they're in their 40s. But unfortunately, breast cancer adversely affects African-American women at a disproportionately higher rate. Uh, the death tolls are at a disproportionately higher rate in comparison to white women. Uh, and I, I currently live in Los Angeles, so if you live in Los Angeles and you're a black woman and you're diagnosed with breast cancer, your chances of succumbing to this are 56, 56% greater in comparison to your Caucasian or white counterparts. And there's so many factors of this, you know, so much of it is it, it, surrounding late detection, you know, so socioeconomic differences, access to health care, food deserts, a host of different factors. 
But with my organization, Beats to Beat Breast Cancer, what we learned is one of those intangible things is that black women do just such an amazing job of taking care of so many others and oftentimes put their mm-hmm. own health on the back burner. And that's one of those things yeah. that uh, you can't really study in a, in a lab. It's just it's our culture. And so with our organization, mm-hmm. Beats to Be Breast Cancer, we do our best to flip that mirror around and to the black women we love and encourage, encourage people across entertainment industry and, and other sectors to really step up to the plate during the month of October and help us raise funds and drive greater awareness for breast cancer prevention. Yes. And, and again, Brian, I want to thank you for all that you're doing with the Beats to Beat Breast Cancer. It's an amazing thing that you're doing for the community. But I want to kind of touch on something as well uh, with you dealing with that situation. What are some of the adjustments that you had to make in your everyday life to help your mother out? Sure. I mean, during that time, it was it, uh, <laughs> it, it was super tough, you know, because my mother was the strength of our family, full of love, full of life, full of joy, you know. You know that that person that you you know that you automatically just want to be your best friend because she just brought so much love and energy, and to kind of really see her body uh, physically deteriorate right in front of our eyes during that time frame it was just extremely extremely challenging. And unfortunately, we just didn't have the knowledge base to make the best adjustments then. You know, I mean, it was just more or less being there, supporting my mom during getting her wigs and going to chemo sessions, and you know, helping her up and down the stairs and different things along those along those lines. But currently, what I recommend, you know, for those who are facing breast cancer or even, you know, you're concerned about being preventative is really identifying what your blood type is. Uh, so often we eat, we eat foods that really don't align with our body type and the foods that we eat become toxic within our body. And so often we think of, we think we get cancer. We don't get cancer. Our body is cancering. You know, we need to look at cancer as more as a verb than just as something you, you, you go to. The, it's not something you go to the grocery store and pick up. You know, your body begins to cancer as it relates to, you know, the, the things that we put in it on a daily basis. And so, so often just a simple shift within our diet can really be preventative and helping us uh, make sure that we don't have more black women that we love uh, succumb to this disease. Yeah. And again, everyone listen, we are listening to uh, Brian Henry of Beats to Beat Breast Cancer Foundation coming on, sharing every piece of knowledge that he has with us. Uh, Brian, when you look at the situation, how important is it for people to get to the doctor and seek early detection? It's overwhelmingly important. It's the number one factor that makes a difference literally between life and death. And, you know, we have to have greater compassion on each other as it relates to what that process is. So many of us across the African-American community, we don't have the greatest trust for medical professionals, you know, dating back to, you know, the, the Tuskegee experience, um, everything with Henrietta Lacks, everything surrounding that space, you know, just has a, just had a certain disdain toward medical professionals. I've even met women across the years who've told me that they, they don't feel like they can be their own self-advocate because they go to the doctor and say, hey, there's something wrong with me, and someone else is like, oh, no, you're fine. You know, there's a there's a um, thought process that black women can take pain, you know, at greater capacities than other cultures, you know, and obviously we know that's not true. It's just, it's a myth, but there is sometimes a, uh, an ill lens by which medical professionals look at uh, women of color. And so we always encourage to never go to an appointment alone. Always take someone else with you. You know, if 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 you are older in age, making sure you're taking someone who's younger, who 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 may not have a problem, kind of stepping up and and, and stepping to the medical professional with a, a certain tone 
that is authoritative as it relates to the care that you're seeking to have. And so early detection is key, but what's even more key is making sure that you're always going to the medical professional with someone else with you. Yeah, and, and that's great, absolutely great knowledge. Uh, can you explain the beats to beat breast cancer and what does it do to impact the community? Sure, definitely. Uh, beats to beat breast cancer, brief, it's, a, it's a play on words. Even I, at this point, still get tongue-tied, but I'm a professional these <laughs> days, and I've been blessed to, I mean, seriously, like, it's, 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 but it's the perfect name. You know, you, you want to kind of get tongue-tied yeah. on it. It's, it's, it's a fun thing to say. But Beats to Beat Breast Cancer was founded in 2014. I'm a professional DJ. Uh, I worked in the corporate space and investment banking and telecom and different sectors and turned down, you know, the prospect of going to business school because, as I said, I love love music and I just wanted to explore what that looks like. And uh, 10 years later, my entire career as a professional DJ, I get to travel across the world and across the country, you know, playing for your favorite celebrities and playing for some of your top dignitaries. And I said that this wasn't enough to just, you know, be a celebrity DJ, if you will. I needed to use this platform to make a difference in the, in, in the lives of the women we love. You know, my mom always encouraged that. My, my mother's name is Tracy. And she always said, you know, no matter where you go, you are a leader and you need to step to the plate. And so Beats to Beat Breast Cancer was founded on the premise of, of encouraging us to step up to this plate and do as much as we can, particularly during the month of October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, to help the women we love fight against cancer. And so we, we've hosted this event in Los Angeles. It's, it's actually an event. <laughs> Most events that you go to tend to be, uh, for, for breast cancer, tend to be a walk or something that's a little somber. We say no. We're celebrating life. And so we have a DJ. It's always a female DJ honoring our, our, our female DJs. And we uh, encourage everyone to bring everyone you love. You know, it doesn't have to just be women who are in the age where you're most concerned about cancer, but we encourage young women and, and young men to participate as well. And we have the event, in, uh, we have medical professionals who discuss the importance of clinical trials. We have people in the nutrition space who discuss the, the, uh, having a balanced diet and, a diet and skewing more toward plant-based options. And, of course, we have music there just to make sure that we lighten the mood. And I love this event annually. This year, we're taking things online <laughs> instead of uh, instead of uh, in person, given that we're in COVID. But even outside of that, we we host events where we do makeovers for breast cancer survivors, you know, to really honor their legacy and honor their light and honor the beauty that stills within them. And I mean, literally everything from hair, makeup, nails, full wardrobe, you know, it's such an honor to uh, be of service to women who have fought this disease. And we just even in the midst of COVID, we're still excited to still be of service, you know? Yeah. 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 That, that, that's wonderful. How can our listeners, how can my listeners get involved with the beat to beat, beats to beat breast cancer? What can they do? Where can they donate? Sure. They can go to our website, beats to beat breast Um, it's the full word, a full, full phrase, if you will, beats to beat breast and make donations. And all of our donations go to the American Association for Cancer Research, where we have a fund that's specifically set up to help uh, young medical professionals of color who are interested in serving communities of color uh, go through their labs, get, you know, tuition and scholarships paid off for the sake of them going to school and coming back and providing those services to the community, communities that are in greatest need. And so it's, it's, it's just an opportunity for us to just continue to pay it forward. So, again, so we lose far less women that we love to this disease. 
Yeah. Now, my final question for you before I let you go is, you know, you you talked a little bit about it, just a little bit about being a DJ. You're you're pretty famous. You know, you're just not some some anybody. <laughs> you're a guy that has a big name. You know, I know you're trying to be humble. All right. But uh, I'm gonna let you toot your horn a little bit. Tell us about some of the people you know you rub elbows with, some of the celebrities that you kind of DJ at events with. You know, go ahead and let them know what you all about. <laughs> you know that that's how, that's what Kendrick Lamar said. He said, "Sit down, be humble." You know, be, <laughs> that's being a humble servant. Because, and I, and I think that humility comes in because you know the gift is not mine. You know, it's something I've been blessed with, and it's always been on my heart yeah. to share it. But in sharing it, it has opened the doors for me to be a recurring DJ on ABC's Good Morning America. I've DJed, you know, Sundance Film Festival, you know, uh, New York Fashion Week, Harvard Business School. Some folks that, uh, that that I've been blessed to play music for: Chance the Rapper, Cardi B, Beyonce. And the thing I'm most proud of, I've been blessed to DJ for the Obamas on more than one occasion. And so the, the career of just being a service and just aligning with my gifts and, and talents has opened the door to, to rub elbows, to your point, to some of, the, some of the luminaries and some of the people we love. But more than anything, and what's most important to me is that that gift is always circling back to service. And that's why I'm excited every year to share as much as I can on Beast to be Breast Cancer. And again, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, Brian Henry. It was great to speak with you. Before I let you go, can you please throw out, you know, all of your social media? And again, where my uh, listeners can donate to the Beats to Beat Breast Cancer and, you know, everyone can get in touch with you as well. Sure. Uh, Once again, Beats to Beat Breast Cancer dot com. Beats with an S to Beat Breast Cancer dot com. And my personal social media on Instagram is at it's I-T-S Brian B-R-I-A-N, Henry, A-T-N-R-Y, uh, at It's Brian Henry on Instagram. So love anyone who's listening. Feel free to reach out. Always happy to answer questions surrounding this cause and anything else where I can be of service. So, man, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much again uh, coming on, Mr. Henry. It was great speaking to you. You have a good night. Uh, you too, Joe. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Whew. Listen, what a great interview with Mr. Henry there. Um, Brian Henry, again, beats to beat breast cancer. A great event that he has going on. I'm supporting the Suzy G. Coleman Foundation uh, as well in my fight against breast cancer. If you'd like to donate to my fundraising page, it is plastered all over my social media at YoungJ000. Also, The Long Beach Joe on Facebook. You can go there. Please donate. Give anything that you can. It's all about bringing the fight to breast cancer and try to do the best that we can to eradicate uh, the world of this disease. So it's all about breast cancer research, being an awareness of breast cancer, and bringing the fight to breast cancer as well. So I want to thank everyone that, that gets involved, whether you donate to Beats to Beat uh, Breast Cancer or you donate to my fundraiser page. It was absolutely great, again, to talk to Mr. Henry. He's doing a lot of great things uh, in the community. So now, you know, moving on from that, we're going to come back to talking about the New York Jets and the issues that uh, they're having there. Uh, when I look at this team and I evaluate this team, I talked a little bit about Adam Gaze before and about the issues that he put in there. And I think one of the biggest casualties of that is <laughs> Sam Darnold. Um, look, everyone has different opinions about Sam. Um, I've, I've talked to various people across the board. Uh, but if you ask most analysts, you ask most people that, you know, are really in tune with football, um, that are really trying to figure things out and really kind of get a steep, stiff look at the Jets, a lot of them will say that, listen, Sam Darnold has the talent. Without a shadow of a doubt, he has the talent. The problem is, it's, hey, 
you know, is he going to be coached correctly? Is he going to be surrounded by the right weapons ever? Is he going to be put in a position ever succeed? And I think that's a big question because, you know, this franchise has issues. It's not just coaching this roster, not a lot of weapons there. The protection has issues. So we're, we're, we're looking to see, Hey, is Sam ever going to be put around the right people so that he can ascend as a quarterback? That's a big question. A lot of that is on Joe Douglas as well. We're going to talk about Joe Douglas tonight too, uh, because guess what? You know, as much as we all love Joe Douglas and I do as well, I'm not trying to hammer him, but Hey, he's had a hand in in this roster having the issues that it has. (laughs) I know a lot of people don't want to talk about that, but he, he has, Um, you know, him, Greg Van Roten, not being a great, you know, offensive line here. That was a signing that was done by Joe Douglas. Uh, there's issues at a wide receiver, Perryman. Dotson, we know that opt out, but Perryman, was he really a great choice over Robbie Anderson? Perryman's dealing with injuries, but guess what? Perryman has a history of injuries as well. So, you know, bringing him in, get, only getting one wide receiver in the draft, even when we had all of those other issues as well, not going after any other free agent wide receivers, that hurt us too. So, there's a lot to talk about when you talk about this team and its makeup and why it is where it is. Again, we're going to stick with that tonight, but I want to go to the college real quick. Um, I'm going to go to the college. We're definitely going to talk about the state of the New York Jets. 973-973, we're going to come to you again. My chat boys in the chat, keep chatting because we're definitely going to come to you as well during this show. We're going to go to 973. We're going to talk to you. I want to get your thoughts on the state of the New York Jets and how you feel about this team as far as roster-wise. I'll be honest with you. I think it's horrendous. I mean, did anybody <laughs> expect maybe to go zero and four at this point? I mean, you know, I was hoping I was hoping it was going to be a lot better, and it has just been absolutely horrendous right from the get go. You know, even we had yeah. leads, we blew it. Other games, we didn't even have a ghost of a chance. Ooh, I just say that, but it has been it yeah. has been horrifying. And Gaines should have been fired by now, and yet they're still keeping him. Why? I just don't get it. I mean, I think yeah. if they went 0-4, Gaines would be given the hook. And I thought for sure uh, this week that it was going to happen, you know, after uh, we had, you know, because we had a slight lead uh, late in the game, but then the choke signal came on. And I thought, okay, I said, Gaze is gone. And yet we still find out it still happened. The NFL yeah. fired the wrong coach this week. <laughs> but it's not like the yeah, game look, yeah, look, I, I hear you. And and that was, that was something I talked about a little bit earlier in the show was, hey, listen, if the Texans can fire Brill O'Brien and move on from him with all the issues that they had with him as far as going forward, building the roster and doing the things that they needed to do, then why exactly can't the Jets fire Adam Gaze, who's had nowhere near the success that Bill O'Brien has had with the Texans? You know, we've had issues here offensively yeah. literally since he got here. We've been ranked dead last in the league and it's been pretty ridiculous. So if the Texans can look around and go, hey, listen, it's time to move on from this guy. Why are we hearing things like, well, if you don't fire him, it's going to ruin your young quarterback. I, that just that makes absolutely uh-huh. no sense to me. And, 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 and that's where I want to go with you next, because I, I want to talk about this roster with you folks as well. Uh, listen, Sam Darnold, what is your evaluation of him currently? If you want to scale between one to ten, how about a minus two? He has done absolutely nothing for the Jets. Yeah, he had maybe a few brief moments last year leading the season, but, you know, that's that, you know, the bad outweighs the good with him, and he has done nothing. Yeah, I remember his first game, and he looked, he looked rather rather shabby and didn't do much. I'm like, uh, this, this is going to be our quarterback for the future. Uh, no, 
I don't think so. He's he has done almost nothing for the team, and we haven't even had posted a winning season, you know, since he's been there. I mean, last season we were lucky to get seven and nine, but that's still a losing record, and we're expected to do now even worse this year. So I say if we don't even get even like about maybe four wins this excuse me four wins this season, I think they can want him back. Trade him. Mm. Wow, you want to trade? Well, you know, the <laughs> I mean, the, but isn't there a lot of moving parts when you're talking about trading Sandar? Isn't there a lot of moving parts that we've seen have broken down with the lack of protection, the lack of weapons, and the bad coaching? Can you really properly get an assessment of Sam Darnold and his skill set or his talent? Well, he's got he's got talent, but where is it? I mean, it's not showing up on game day. Well, don't you think it's kind of hard that to, for it to show up on game day? Like, okay, for instance, if you line up with the with the offensive line that we have, and by the time you hike the ball, a linebacker is in your face, how exactly are you supposed to throw the football if you're a quarterback? You had to, you had to find. Or something. what about what about when you do try to make plays, right? Like when you're out there, let's say you run around, you get away from him, like we've seen him do as well. You know, he runs away from three or four, you know, defensive linemen that are right on his heels throws a strike to Herndon, and he drops it. You know, how, how exactly are you supposed to make plays if the guys that you have out there, the weapons that you're supposed to have, are void out there as well? Well, if your weapons are not producing, you're not going to get anywhere. So that's another factor right there. I mean, you're just dropping, yeah. you're just dropping the balls. And what is that? Uh, that's not progress. So, yeah. you know, you have to have your weapons. And you got to throw in Donald. And if you keep missing, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's all around, yeah. you know, I'm not saying, darling, it's all the blame. It's everybody all put together because this team is just coming apart like it's coming apart at the seams and it doesn't look any better. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, what are your thoughts about Herndon? Because there was a lot of hype about him coming into the season, coming out of the off season where people were fired up. They were like, he's going to be one of the best tight ends in the league. This guy is going to be yeah. a game changer. And we haven't seen that yet. What are your thoughts about the impact, the lack of impact that he's had so far in this yeah. season? Every time you get someone who hypes up everything and thinking it's going to be, oh, this is our man, this is our man, and what does he produce? Absolutely nothing. The hype isn't worth it. It's not what it's not what's done, you know, on paper. It's what counts on the it's what counts on the field. If you're not getting, you know, doing what you're what you should be doing, and what was hyped up about you about, yeah, you just you're just not you're just not cutting it. Yeah. Are you surprised all that uh, P. Ryan? Go ahead. All the hype that goes into it, and what do you and what have been the results so far? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I need to see Herndon definitely step up more. Uh, there's been quite a bit of drops, particularly you know in spots where uh, we really needed him to step up and perform. I'm kind of surprised that also Griffin. We haven't seen more out of Griffin within this team too. Uh, he's a guy that yeah. had a decent season last season. We're really looking to see him, you know, continue on his thing. And I don't think he's done much of of enough either. But again, that that's part of that is play calling. But you would figure that with the injuries that we have a wide receiver, we'd see more usage out of him uh, at this point. But you know, that hasn't happened either. Yeah. So that that could be more more on gaze. But another guy that I was thinking, hey, coming into the season, I was excited about. I was hoping to see a little bit more out of a guy that I was really hoping to you know, really take the, take that step was P Ryan. Uh, you know, of course, Le'Veon Bell being our starter at the time before he got injured, we were excited about the drafting of P Ryan. And 
we haven't seen the kind of usage that we hoped. We see a lot more of Gore than Pirine. What are your thoughts about that? Don't you think Pirine should get the ball a bit more in his hands? I would think so. That might help me. And since Bell went down, that's also been a problem, too. I mean, there was a lot of hype about that last year. But, you know, I would say, you know, try to give Hero more of it, um, more involved in it. Because if you don't, yeah, you, know. you know, I don't know what else you're going to do. So, you know, bring him in more. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts going to the defensive side of the football with you? What are your thoughts about Greg Williams and his performance so far? <laughs> you know, within this season, we're zero and four, and the defense has definitely not looked so good. How, how do you feel about his job as a coordinator and uh, the situations that he's put this team in defensively? I wish you could see me right now because I'm holding up a loser sign for that, and uh, exactly what it's the lost cause. The defense is our wor- the, the defense is horrible. The defense was horrible last year, and doesn't it doesn't even improve? You know, we, we are we just completely suck on defense. Yeah, and you know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, as a coordinator, what are you what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been pretty it's tough. Unbearable. We might yeah. well, even, uh, we might resemble a season out goes back to 1992, the one in 15 season. I wish I had to relieve yeah. that. Yeah, um, it's it, it's tough, but uh, I want to thank you for calling in, man. Thank you for uh, you know talking to us about the Jets and just. Sharing your takes and opinion. I know it's a painful season, but we'll get through it together. You can see what I do on my show. Ah. <laughs> All right. You have a good night, man. Thanks. Listen, a lot of Jets fans, you know, calling in. The lines are lit up. We will get to you. Uh, you know, listen, this, this Jets team, it, it's tough. It's tough right now, but we will get through it together. But listen, we are now going to talk to – a legendary Jets player. Um, excited to have him come on, uh, Mr. Marty Lyons. God has done so much for New York Jets. He's also an author as well. Uh, so we're going to bring him on in a second, folks, and we're going to talk to him about his foundation. We're also going to talk to him about this new book that he has coming out. Uh, Marty, I want to welcome you to the Long Beach Joe Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. That's That's excellent to hear. It's good to have you come on. Could not wait to speak to you about everything that you have going on because you have so many good things going on. But before we get into the book, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit about the Marty Lyons Foundation and what it does for the community and how my listeners could get involved with that? Well, I started the foundation in 1982. I was 25 years old and, you know, playing for the Jets. I had the perfect platform, the perfect life. Then on sudden on March 4th, uh, my oldest son was born, and then on March 8th, my dad suddenly died of a heart attack at the age of 58. And then on March 10th, a little boy that I was a big brother to died of leukemia at the age of five and a half. So I really was questioned. I, I couldn't find an answer. I kind of blamed myself. I said, what am I doing wrong in life that God would do this to me? And then, you know, days would go by and then it turned into weeks, then it turned into months, and then you finally realize that this is a part of life that, you know, everybody's going to go through one at one point of their life. So I reached out to a teammate of mine, Kenny Shroy, and I said, you know what, I'd really like to start a foundation for terminally ill children, give them their greatest wish in life and make it become a reality, give them an opportunity to feel important. So fast forward, you know, we've been doing it for 38 years. We've raised over $35 million. We're in 13 states, and we've helped 
uh, a little over 8,000 families in that span. So, you know, God challenges you, and you can either accept it and try to work with it and make something good out of something bad, or you keep running from it, and it changes you into somebody you don't like. Yeah, yeah, Marty. Again, listen. That, I want to thank you for everything that you're doing with the Marty Lyons Foundation, everything that you're doing for the community through that. That is huge. That is absolutely huge. And I want to again thank you for everything that you're doing uh, there. But just kind of moving forward as well, Marty, can you tell us a little bit about your book, uh, If These Walls Could Talk, the New York Jet stories from the New York Jet sidelines, locker room and press box? It's hot off hot off the press. I'm hearing a lot of beautiful things about it. Can you give us a little bit of insight about it? Well, you know what? I was approached by Triumph Book uh, Publishing Company out of Chicago, and they wanted me to write a book on 40 years of being with the Jets. And I said, you know, I really don't have a desire to, to write a book. I said, the only way I would write a book is if I made it a crossover book where I would tell a story about a Jet or tell the story about working with the Jets for 40 years of the coaches, the players, some friendly locker room stories, but starting in 1982, I wanted to make it a crossover book and start telling, you know, stories about the kids from the foundation and place the readers in the eyes of a parent that has a sick child and what it's like, what it's like to be in an intensive care unit with a child that's dying. And the doctors look at you and they, they look at the parents and they say, hey, there's nothing more we can do. We think it's time. And then immediately, you know, the parents would look at me and say, well, what do you think we should do? And, you know, that's a tough decision to tell somebody that it's time to take their child off life support. Mm-hmm. So when Triumph agreed that they would allow me to do a crossover book, I immediately signed over all rights from my end of the book, any signing bonus to, to go directly to the foundation. Wow. So my hope is that it inspires people. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. And at the end of it, I hope it inspires you to be a better person. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that is huge, Marty. Again, we're, everyone listening, we're speaking with Marty Lyons legendary Jets player, also the Marty Lyons Foundation, uh, you know, where he's helping the community out as well. He's also author of a brand new book, If These Walls Could Talk, wherever you can pick that up, Amazon, any of those places, please go get it. It's a great, great read. Uh, wow, Marty, that that's huge. That's huge. I mean, such a humanitarian. You do so many great things for the world, so many great things for the community. That is phenomenal. Um, but I want to kind of get into, you know, your career as well some of the things that you did uh, with the New York Jets, when you entered the league as a first round pick, how much of it wasn't an adjust, how much of it was an adjustment for you? Well, it was a big adjustment because normally in college, you know, we played a five, two, which meant I was a defensive tackle. And as soon as we got, I got drafted up here, they drafted Mark Esno in the second round, the defense switched over from a three, four to a four, three, meaning that, you know, I had an actual starting position since day one. And the problem was that, you know what, I didn't have the speed to play a defense event. I had the technique and the knowledge to go inside. So my rookie year, I was outside. Joe Klecko was inside. After that, they flipped us. He went outside. I went inside. Mark started. And we had two outstanding defense events. You couldn't double-team them. 
And if you did, then that freed up one, uh, either myself or Abdul, or freed up a linebacker. So, you know, I was very fortunate to play with some outstanding, talented athletes in college. We only lost six games in four years with Coach Bryant. We won three SEC titles. We won a national title. So I think the biggest adjustment that I had to make coming into the NFL was get used to losing some games, you know. It wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't easy, you know. You're used to winning, winning, winning. And, you know, we open up the first game that year and we lost to Cleveland. And then we go up to New England and we get beat 56-3. to And Ooh. I remember on the way back, I was sitting on the airplane just looking at the veterans in the back of the plane and, at that time, the NFL even allowed the flight attendants to give you two beers as you got on the plane. So everybody was drinking. And I remember looking back there at the plane, I go, I cannot believe that this is the NFL. You know, we just got embarrassed. And Matt Robinson, the quarterback, backup quarterback out of Georgia, came over to me and said, hey, Rook, what's wrong with you? And I go, Matt, I can't believe we just lost 56-3 to and look at the plane. And he looked at me and he says, hey, this is the NFL. you got to get over it or it's going to happen again mm. next week. So yeah. it was a, you know, you had to open up your eyes. You know, it's a childhood dream that became a reality. But when you first stepped into the doors of the NFL, it wasn't everything that I thought it would be. And then all of a sudden, you know, the team started to turn around and we started to get better leadership. We started to get better play and, we made it to the playoffs a few times, but unfortunately, we never made it to a Super Bowl. Mm, yeah. and, and Marty, when you talked about getting better leadership and, uh, you know, a lot of the older players that you had around you, what were some of the older veterans that took you under their wing and kind of helped you along in your career? Well, I think the first guy would be Joe Klecko, uh, you know, and Joe certainly has earned every right to say, hey, he's a Hall of Famer. He won't say it, yeah. but I will. You know, this guy made all pro at three different positions. He was the leader both on and off the field. And he couldn't have done more for the New York Jets organization than he did. And the only thing not on his resume was playing in a Super Bowl. So he's not in the Hall of Fame. But I think it was him and it was Greg Buttle, a linebacker that we had out of Penn State, probably one of the smartest people I've ever played with. He knew everything. You know, the coach would signal something in as a, for the defense, and he'd yell back at the coach. It didn't work, and he'd change the defense. And nine out of ten times, he was right. But he knew where every 11 players should be and what they should be doing. So they held us pretty much accountable. But I can remember watching those guys as a rookie sitting in front of my locker trying to get the team fired up. And as a rookie, you don't say much. You know, you just sit there. And then all of a sudden, I don't know when it was or where we were at, but the torch was passed. And then I got up. And, you know, that energy that was building up on me, in me, I just let flow throughout the locker room. And whether it was breaking a table or making some noise in there, I made sure everybody knew that hey, there was a game to be played and we better be ready. Yeah. And, and, and when you talk about being ready, because that's a lot of fans, you know, a lot, of, a lot of my listeners as well, some of them may not really understand what it takes to truly be ready for an NFL game week in and week out. Can you speak to how much of a grind it is physically to play in the NFL? 
Well, it's a grind because after, you know, week one, maybe even then after week two, your, your, your body starts to ache because we, you know what, training camp back then wasn't like training camp now. Preseason games mm-hmm. back then aren't like preseason games now. Uh, we used to play a quarter in the first preseason, a half in the second, three quarters in the third, and then you play three quarters in the fourth. So you were building yourself up, getting in football shape. And mm-hmm. I think when you look at the Jets this year at 0-4, Joe Douglas went out there and he tried to rebuild through free agency and an offensive line. And he found some very talented players. Then the coronavirus hit, then the pandemic hit. So all that chemistry that would have been built through mini camp, training camp, preseason games got eliminated. And then you're putting a responsibility on the players to say, all right, guys, let's get fired up, get it in, the, get that energy going in the locker room, and you run out onto the field, and it's an empty stadium. And you look around. Uh, for a player like myself, and I think most of the players that I played with, the energy that yeah. came from the fans went right down onto the field, and we fed off it. And, I mean, there was mm. games where, you know, they stand up and they're chanting J-E-T-S. Man, you, you just find another gear to kick it into. But now it, it's depressing, and I think we're going to find out that the teams that have been in the same system for a while with the same players – like the Seattle, uh, Kansas City, they're going to be more successful than the, than the teams that are in the rebuilding process that some of these players, they're still trying to get to know the guy next to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe, listen, I mean, uh, Marty, listen, you know, I, I absolutely hear you there. You got some great takes on that, like you said. I, and I've, I've talked about that as well with my listeners, too, is that, Listen, the, the, the virus and the situation that we were in really hurt a lot of the things that we, you know, the chemistry that we could have built in the offseason. That situation really, you know, kind of jacked things up and it put a lot of people, especially the young players, the rookies, uh, the guys that were just kind of coming in. Those preseason games, those are necessary for those players because it really helps them kind of get a little bit more adapted to the speed of the game, helps them run through things, kind of see things on a certain level. And without that, you got a lot of guys that are just going to be thrown out there. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this current team as well. You kind of touched on Joe Douglas and some of the things that he's doing. But one of the players that we're seeing, Sam Darnold, it seems like everybody has a lot of different takes on him. What are your thoughts on him as a quarterback? Well, first of all, you got to look at the talent around him. And you have to say his wide receivers and even the running backs, uh, Le'Veon's been hurt, and you got a guy that's going to go to Canton and Frank Gore. You know, he runs downhill. He runs hard, but he's 37. How many carries can mm-hmm. you give him? And, you know, I think it's a hard year to judge Sam. Uh, I really like Sam. I like him as a person. I think he's a great leader. But he's making some bad decisions. You know, he's trying to force – uh, some passes when he shouldn't. And sometimes when you're trying to force it and you're trying to do the best you can for the team, sometimes it backfires. I think Sam has to realize that, you know what, you just got, as a quarterback, you got to go out there and manage the game. And hopefully when you throw it to your tight ends, they catch the ball. You throw it to a wide receiver, they catch the ball. You give it to a running back, he's going to pick up three or four yards. You can't have negative plays, you can't have penalties, and you can't have missed assignments. 
And everybody points to, well, maybe it's the coaching. I said, well, you know, it, it might be the coaching. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's the X's and the O's. And certainly you're going to get put in some positions and the opposing team, they're going to break a play on you like the 49ers did the first play of the game. You know, they take it 80 yards to the house, but that's going to happen. But you've got to be able to regroup. And if the coach puts you in a position to make a play, for example, if you're an outside linebacker, you're the defensive end, they run that little play action or they run a run option at you and you keep falling for the fullback, eventually the people upstairs are going to call down and say, hey, you know what? Backside guy is falling in all the time. Run the reverse. Because you want to make a play, you want to help your team, but you forget what your assignment is. Your assignment is to hold containment. That's the number one thing you got to do. And unfortunately, everybody's trying to make plays out there, and as a result, you know, you're 0-4. Yeah. yeah. And when you look when you look at this defense, you have some great insight there. Uh, a player like Quentin Williams, you know, you were on that line. You've been down there before. You know what it's like to battle in those trenches. What are your thoughts on Quentin Williams, and how do you evaluate his talent? I like Quentin. I think that the one thing that he has to do, he's got to get more consistent. And the other thing he has to do is, for everybody on that defensive line, you've got to line up with the mentality that the guy across from you is only going to be as good as you let him. doesn't mean you're going to win every play. You want to come out and you want to win 70% of the plays. He gets paid. He's a professional athlete. But remember, he's only going to be as good as you let him. Don't be intimidated. Do your assignment and go to work every single Sunday and play the game for 60 minutes. But nowadays you see so much of this rotation of the defensive line that, in my opinion, it, it takes away from – what a player can accomplish. I mean, back when I played, if you were good enough to play on first down, you were good enough for second down. Good enough for second, you played on third. But now everything, it seems like it's got to be specialized. That You know, you play on first, you play on second, and now they send somebody else in, fresh legs, that's going to be a pass rusher. But meanwhile, you've already set this guy up, your opposing offensive guard or tackle, on first and second down. You know what he's going to do but they switch out. So, you know, I don't agree with, you know, rotating players that much. I think that uh, – I think Quinnen's going to be okay. He just he just has to be more consistent. You can't have two sacks in one game and then none the next week. Yeah. Again, for everyone listening, we're speaking with the legendary, the great New York Jets player, Marty Lyons of the Marty Lyons Foundation – He's also an author, If These Walls Could Talk, New York Jets Stories from the New York Jets Sidelines, Locker Room and Press Box. Go pick it up wherever you can. Phenomenal book. One of the things that you talked about is consistency. I want to go back into your career because, man, you and the SAC Exchange, you being a part of the SAC Exchange, you folks were very consistent. You got after the passer. You you folks were ferocious. Can you talk about the season when the Jets led uh, you know, defensively in sacks of 66. What was that season like for you folks just getting after it? Well, the mentality was n- not, are we going to get to the quarterback? It was really how many times we were going to get to the quarterback. That was our whole key. How many times mm-hmm. are we going to get to the quarterback? And when you, again, you go back to Mark and Joe, they both had over 20 sacks. 
I mean, that's that's 40 out of the 66, and the rest of us had our share. But, again, those two guys carried the load. And it was, uh, I mean, I was wedged right in between Abdul and Joe. And when Joe would get down in his stance, we didn't have calls in the huddle. I would look over at him. He'd look at me. If he nodded, I knew what he was going to do. I knew he was going to take the tackle up and come inside. That meant I was going to try to hold the guard on the line of scrimmage so that we would create space. And as soon as I saw Joe go, I was going to release him because I had to take outside containment. So we, we knew what each other were capable of doing, and we didn't have to make that call in the huddle. We determined it on the line of scrimmage. And believe me, whatever Joe wanted to do, <laughs> I was going to be his backup. I was going to have his back. He was going to have mine. Yeah, let me tell you, you, Klecko, Gassino, like you talked about Salam as well, Abdul, whoa, <laughs> you folks are ferocious. <laughs> well, mean, you know what, I, I played with guys, probably the most talented guys I've ever played with. Mark had so much talent. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Joe had so much talent, and he was so strong, and he was a team leader. And he used to tell us in the locker room, if you're not ready to play, just stay in here. Stay in here. Don't go out there. Because if you go out there and you're not ready to play, either you're going to get hurt or you're going to get one of your teammates hurt. So, again, the leadership coming from the players themselves and the players, are we held each other accountable. We didn't need a coach to tell us, hey, we weren't playing well. We didn't need a coach to try to motivate us and say, hey, let's go get them. No, we had one another, and we built the trust in that, and, you know, uh, be honest with you, some some games we thought that uh, we should have, you know, played better, harder, just didn't happen that day. And people go, well, you know you what? You said you were prepared. You said you had a good week of practice. What happened? I go, you know what? Nobody can pinpoint it. If we could pinpoint it, we could bottle it and sell it to every team in the NFL, every college team, because it does happen. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And just continuing to speak with you about your career and the things that you did out there on the field, what was it like? In, what was it like making it to the AFC Championship? What was that run like up into that moment? Well, the run was fantastic because we had to go on the road, and we were like we kind of labeled ourselves Road Warriors, and we went out to mm-hmm. Cincinnati and we beat them up pretty good because Freeman McNeil ran for over you know 200 yards. And then the following week, we had to go out to L.A. and we played Jim Plunkett and the Raiders. And they were known to try to intimidate you. But we made sure when we left the locker room, nobody was going to intimidate. If they beat us, they beat us. But they weren't going to, you know, we weren't going to back down to them. So we win that game 14-7. to And then we're on a pretty good high. And we go down to Miami. There was a wet field. It rained all week. Nobody covered the field. And. You know, of course, we had five turnovers on the offensive side of the ball. We gave up one defensive touchdown. And, you know, we lose 14 to nothing. We got a pat on the back. They said, maybe, you know, don't worry, we'll get them next year. But unfortunately for quite a few players in that locker room, that next year never came. So that's the one thing that these players have to realize, that if you're ever in that situation and and you think it comes that easy, you better take advantage of it because there's no guarantees that it'll ever happen again. 
Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Marty. I always preach, and, you know, we, we've seen other players preach across the league as well, seizing the moment. It's like you just said, you never know if it's gonna if you're ever going to have that chance again. You know, it's here now. you got to do whatever you can. Go ahead. Yeah, whatever you can to do to, you know, to play as hard as you can. And people have said, well, you know, Don Shula didn't cover the field. I said, well, you know what? It's not like they took the ball and went to a dry field. They played on the yeah. same field that we did. Problem yeah. is you have those turnovers. You have the turnovers, yeah. you're not going to win the game. It, it's pretty simple, yeah. especially when one of the interceptions uh, was returned for a touchdown. That's a quick seven. And then your offense yeah. has to go back out. and You know, we, just, we didn't play solid uh, football that day. Maybe we were all caught up on, you know, the field not being covered. Or maybe we looked ahead and said, hey, you know what, let's make the plans. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. There's no way the Dolphins are going to beat us three times in one year, uh, but they did. Yeah. Yeah. And again, everyone listening, we're speaking with the great Marty Lyons, amazing Jets player. Uh, he's also a part of the Marty Lyons Foundation. He's an author of a book as well, If These Walls Could Talk, New York Jets Story from New York Jets Sideline, Locker Room and Press Box. Go pick it up wherever you can. It's a phenomenal book. Now, Marty, you know, you're an old school player. and I mean, you, again, you were phenomenal when you played. Uh, but when you look at the NFL today, they've changed the rules a bit. You know, things are kind of different, especially if you're out there playing corner. The way defenses are played are a little bit different. You can't really touch guys these, these days. What are your thoughts about these rule changes, and how do you feel about the league kind of focusing more on player safety? Well, I think player safety has to be the number one concern of why they did change some of the rules. I mean, I, I remember playing, you know, very rarely would you get an un, uh, unnecessary roughness on the quarterback. I know even though it happened to us when we played Cleveland, Cleveland and we lost in double overtime. But I think this, the player's safety really has to come into play. There's too many players that I played with that are now suffering from, you know, not just leg injuries or they're getting body parts replaced, some of them have lost their memory. Some are, have early signs of this CTE. So if we can prevent that, then that next generation of athletes are going to, you know, they're going to be fulfilled with a full life. And, and hopefully we are too. But I don't think the doctors or the medical staff in the 70s and the 80s actually know what they, what they know now. And I think that's the number one reason why the rules have changed. Yeah, I, I think that's – I fully agree with you there, Marty. I think the rules have changed to, you know, again, like you said, better for the players. It it, it allows players, you know, to live a, a longer life, especially, you know, football-wise and, and deal with their health in a better way as well. You've got a lot of, like you said, team doctors, a lot of the medical professionals have definitely changed the way they've done things to really help these players out and help them, you know, continue to take care of their bodies. So, Marty, this has been a phenomenal interview with you. I want to thank you for coming on. Before I let you go – can you please give all of my listeners, again, all of the contacts, social media contacts, everything that you have to get involved with you, the Marty Lyons Foundation, and also to, you know, be able to purchase your book and everything that you're doing with that as well? All right. The best way to do it is go to my website, the martylyonsfoundation.org. Uh, you can order a book there. I will personally sign it. I will send it out to you. And uh, if you're a Jet fan, I think you'll like the insight of some of the stories and as a friend of mine told me, he goes, I was laughing halfway through the book. 
the other half of the book, <laughs> I was crying. Uh, and he goes, and at the end of the book, I was inspired. I was inspired to be a better person, better father, better husband, and better in my community. And I think that if that is what people can take out of the book, then I wrote a, I wrote a pretty good book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, Marty, I want to thank you for calling in. I want to thank you for coming on and just spreading all of the knowledge that you had on football, also for everything that you do in your community with the Marty Lyons Foundation as well. You have a good night, Marty. Well, I appreciate it, and I want to thank all the people from the tri-state area, my board of directors and and everybody, all the volunteers, because it's really them that are making the foundation work. And without them, you and I wouldn't be probably having this interview on the book. We'd be just talking strictly about the Jets. <laughs> I mean, we could do that as well. You're, I'm, you were a phenomenal player, Marty. Phenomenal. Well, Let me tell you. Anyone, again, any listener, you go back and you watch that tape, Marty was throwing people around like crazy. There was like nobody that could block him in the world. So well, we, <laughs> that would have been a great conversation as well. We had some fun. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good night, Marty. You got it. I appreciate the time, and uh, everybody out there, stay well. All right. You have a good night. Go ahead. Bye-bye. Phenomenal interview with Marty Lyons. Again, everyone, please, the Marty Lyons Foundation, go over there and get involved with that. Marty's a phenomenal player. I'm talking about phenomenal. You go back and you watch the tape. He's throwing folks around. Okay. He is getting to the QB, him, Joe Klecko, Gassino, Abdul Salam. Those, 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 those guys were beast. Okay. And Marty was an absolute monster. Again, his book, If These Walls Could Talk, New York Jet Stories from the Sideline, Locker Room and Press Box. Phenomenal read. So, man, that was amazing to actually, you know, get to speak to him. So now with that, we're going to get back uh, into this current New York Jets team and talk about, you know, the evaluation, some of the things that we're seeing there. Again, folks, if you want to call in, it's 515-602-9639. You can call in, please, you know, talk to me about this Jets team. We've got a lot of things coming up. Uh, I'm going to get to the callers that we currently have. My chat, guys, please keep chatting. I'm going to come to you. Uh, you know, so we're going to get to it. So three, four, seven, three, four, seven, I'm coming to you. I want to give me your thoughts on the evaluation on Sam Darnold so far. How are you feeling about him? Three, four, seven. Yes. Yes, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Sam Darnold. I don't know what happened to this guy because he has the potential to be a superstar. He's 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 lost out there. He's, I mean, he's, he's the guy that was confused and lost. Um, still a fan. I still have his back. Everybody wants to give up on him and, you know, and and sink for the for sink for the next kid. But I'm, you know, I'm all for him. I'm standing by him. Yeah. Can't give up on so, the guy. You got to you got to be loyal. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, I hear you there. You know, there has been some throws where Sam has missed, but often what we're seeing. Uh, with Sam, but, you know, is that he's pressured quite a bit. Um, you know, his mechanics are kind of breaking down because he seems a bit skittish in the pocket. There's questionable play calling, and there's issues of weapons as well. So when you look at what's surrounding him, particularly if you look at the off uh, the the offensive line, what are your thoughts there? I mean, well, Long <laughs> this Beach, offensive Long line Beach. hasn't there been main a lot of issues making sure that you know guys aren't getting to Sam that way. Long Beach, I know you've seen the same game I watched. And the Broncos, 
They ran over us. You see, they they took out a Doga. They took out a Doga right away. Yeah. Boom, he's gone. The first the first play yeah. of the game. And I mean, yeah. and next thing you know, man, they they came in and they body slammed. They body slammed Sam. That was the worst. That was the worst hit that the, the poor kid ever took. I'm a big I'm a mm-hmm. big darn old guy. I mean. Call me, call me Hermosa Beach Tom, man, because I'm there. I'm there every week watching it. I have the Donald shirt on. I'm meeting all his people out there, you know, out in, and you know, in Southern California. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm pretty much the only guy representing him out there, but that's why everyone comes to me, you know. And yeah. I, I, I love the kid. I have all his jerseys, everything else, but besides that, besides that, I mean. It was only it was only right. I know it was that we had to lose that game due to penalties. I mean, there was no discipline mm-hmm. whatsoever. But they had to put they had to put a hit out on their quarterback on on the Broncos' quarterback. Of course, he got laid. He got he got right back at him. And I mean, I, I was loving mm-hmm. it. I mean, what are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, you know. Listen, listen. I, I hear you, but we we didn't have to do that. That was really. I, I thought that was a little bush league. Yes, I do think that the the pickup and the spin around and slam was. A, a personal foul there, but to you know call those timeouts to try to take a, take shots at their quarterback, I think was was quite ridiculous. Especially when you know if we're upset, hey, then we need to play better. We need to go out there and really take that aggression out, you know, while while we're actually playing. You know, don't don't go out there and, and I, call I a bunch you. of flags and get a bunch I of penalties mean, yeah, and, but, and be completely undisciplined. I don't think that helps your cause at all. But. It does, It didn't, and obviously didn't. But you have to strike back quick. You can't. You can't wait until the opportunity comes because it might not ever come. You know. I'm sure they yeah, tried well. to get them. Trying to get them legit, but but well. it didn't happen. So they had to do the late hits. You know. I mean, hey, whatever yeah. it takes. You know. But yeah. Well, well I mean, what, Sam, what are your thoughts about what are your thoughts about our defense so far as well? Because you talked a little bit about you know, the offense having its issues, but the defense has had quite a bit of issues, particularly, you know, getting to the QB. We haven't seen that much as well. Our corners well, have had well, issues, particularly Pierre Desir. I mean, what are your thoughts about our defense as a whole and just the way what we've seen within these last, you know, four weeks? Well, Pierre Desir, he, I mean, he did have that one beautiful interse- interception that, that wasn't called at first, but um, in the pretty last game, and on the replay, when it was challenged, it, it was a clear, perfect interception. I mean, if you remember, if you recall that. But but this year, I mean, he's 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 not the person that that we all imagined, man. We were all expecting somebody, you know, fabulous to come in here, you know, this year island. But that's not the case. And it's it's a it's a combination of everybody, you know. Uh, what happened to that kid? That kid, the cornerback Wilson that we had. What, what's anyone hearing his name? You know, I don't. I don't know. I, yeah. I think Millet. But Millet. What happened to Millet? He get hurt? Or I yeah. mean, everybody's hurt nonstop. Yeah. We got Austin. Yeah, those, those Austin doing... was doing his thing. Austin mm-hmm. was doing his thing. I mean, I'm impressed with him. But I mean, you know, there was like you said, there was some unnecessary, well, unnecessary penalties, and that's been coming his way as well. Um, some of them are unnecessary, but some of them, some of them you have to you have to bite the bullet and take. It, you know, you got to hold it because you have to, you, yeah. you have to show you got to show that we're not we're not going to tolerate. It won't be tolerated. The 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 abuse that they put on him that was it should have been a flag on that play too. You can't do that. You can't pick up our guy and body slam him. Come on. Anyway, that's what yeah. happened in my eyes. 
Yeah, yeah. But, well, I um, want to thank you for calling like, in, man. It was it was great speaking oh, no, no, to you tonight. Of no, I, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you. Jenkins is coming around. You know, I mean, yeah. he got hurt. He got hurt there for a while, but he can't. Then he come back in at the end of that game. Jenkins. Yeah. He's not. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's you know yeah, that's so. impressive. You know, he's pretty tough on that. You know, on that. If he can come back and everything else, unfortunately. The unfortunate thing, I was really big on Cashman, man. It's 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 really really um it, it really hit me hard when he was he's done for a couple of weeks, right? I I don't know, I haven't been following the ups, the updates on him, but he he's been he's out for a few weeks with a major injury. Um, yeah, those those guys are you know we're we're dealing with issues you know or injuries across the board, uh, particularly like you said, you know Cashman's dealing with injuries, but we're gonna see what happens as the season continues to go on. But I want to thank you for calling in, man. You have a good one. Uh, yeah, a pleasure. A pleasure is always Long Beach. Yeah, it, it, listen, everyone's calling in. They're bringing their takes. I want to thank him for calling in as well. Phenomenal call. Uh, had a lot of takes on, on the defense and everything they were bringing. Look, it, it's tough. You know, I'll, I'll never agree with us taking shots at, you know, a QB <laughs> and getting, you know, excessive flags and, and losing games that way and giving up a lot of yardage to folks. I, I, I never agree with that. But, you know, I do think that, you know, this team's got to play a bit more, a lot, not just a bit, a lot more discipline. Um, and this, this team's got to start to step up because we're having issues and we're seeing it. And I know that, you know, we talk about the roster, we talk about the coaching, we talk about this, but the players have got to go out there and play. They've got to step up and they've got to, you know, play better. We can't not continue to go out there and look the way that we've looked and think that everything, you know, is going to be kind of hunky-dory. Because uh, I'm telling you, a lot of these guys are going to end up not being here, you know, next year. So, uh, you know. We, we've got to make some changes. We definitely got to make some changes up front. But I'm going to go to the chat really quickly. For those of you that do listen to me on Blog Talk Radio, I also have the chat as well because I stream live. So I'm going to go to the chat, see what some of the guys in the chat are talking about. John Pratt in the chat says, Marty Lyons is one of my heroes. I lived on Bennett Avenue in Hempstead, used to walk to practice at Hofstra and watch. Listen, it was phenomenal to talk to Marty today. Phenomenal. I mean, what a great player. What an absolute great player. Um, and he dropped a lot of knowledge, and he does a lot of great things for the community as well, the Marty Lyons Foundation, and also the book uh, that he has as well. So uh, it was great to speak to him. So in the chat as well, don't do it. Don't do it in the chat says, Jets leadership got issues, and it starts with the coach. It should be the players, though, but it's a young team. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that before, some of the issues that we have uh, coaching-wise, some of the issues that we have, you know, kind of looking around, um, particularly with Adam Gaze, you know, the heat is starting, I think, to fill up with Greg Williams as well. Um, you look at his situation too. And let me tell you, Greg is, that defense is not looking so good. It's really not. You know, there's been issues there up front too. Um, it's been, been issues there with the play calling as well. So he's got to kind of turn it around. So um, now I'm going to leave the chat. I'm going to go back to the callers. I uh, got to call a lot of callers. They're lining up. <laughs> Lines are hot tonight. So, 917-917, we're coming to you. I want to hear your thoughts about this team currently and where they stand. Nine one seven, it's on you. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, Joe? I'm all right. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is Venom G's, man. How's everything? I'm all right, man. What's going on, Venoms? How you feeling, man? Listen, let me get your thoughts oh, on what is your man. current evaluation of Sam Darnold, man? Where do you see <laughs> your where current do we evaluation? 
Let's go. Man, you can't even evaluate Sam right now. He doesn't have any weapons around him. The line is horrible. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to crap right now, man. We just we're just a bad team all the way around. So you can't even place the blame on Sam right now because the mm-hmm. line is so bad. Van Roden is just getting ran through every place. It's just, it's just horrible all the way around, man. Oh man, look, I. I hear you. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with y'all. Look at the situation where I've seen Sam miss certain guys, you know, on some players, but more than, more than, you know, often it's him running for his life, trying to make a play somewhere. You know, we've seen so many uh, scores on broken plays where he's just running for his life and it just happened to make a play. And, you know, that's got to change. Like you talked about as well, Van Broten, our offensive line, they've got to block better. They got to be, be better. But, when you talk about this offensive line, particularly when you talk about this offense, the issues that we have at wide receiver, stuff like that, when are we going to start to kind of look at this situation and say, hmm, Greg Williams, are you uh, not Greg Williams, yeah, excuse me, Joe Douglas, are you to blame for some of this? Yes. You know, because Joe Douglas did have his hand <laughs> in this yes. roster. So it's like, yes, when are we going to yes. start to look at Joe Douglas and say, uh, what were you doing when some of these things were going down? What are your thoughts about that? Yes, and that's the same thing I was thinking as well, too, because it's like, mm-hmm. Joe, you, you look at Buffalo. You you see how Josh Allen was put all the pieces around him, and now you see the Jets. It's like, who do we have here? You don't you, you don't even put a – you don't even kick the tires on – on um, what's the guy from the Texans that was Hopkins? You don't kick the tires on Hopkins. You don't kick the tires yeah. on Diggs or nobody like that. Muhammad Sanu so was out there. Yeah, yeah. Even it, uh, Sanu is kind of old. I would like a, a younger, proven guy. Even if you're going to go through free agency, just get a proven guy. Not, not, well, um, not, not the cornerback that they got. Be trash. You know, that guy is trash and horrible. I, I'm sick of seeing Desir get beat every time. The, his new name is D-Trash, you know, because every time I see him, it's either uh, somebody's running past him. I don't, I don't know who's going over Greg Williams in these calls, man, but these wide receivers are playing so far back, and, and you're not even – they're not pressing up on nobody or anything. And if they are pressing, they're just getting ran past so, so bad. It's just this this defense is horrible. Greg Williams, I give him respect for last year, but this year he is Basuda. Mm, mm. So the heat and, for you and, is turning and, up on Greg Williams as well. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole roster. Everything was done bad this year. Everything was done bad. And I'm sick of them mm. just – trying to sell us this this bag of crap that they keep putting out. Oh, we're gonna have explosive D uh, explosive offense. We're gonna keep we're gonna score all these points and you get rid of Robbie Anderson and Jamal goes to Seattle and everybody on Seattle is hitting like Jamal Adams. It's like he bought the he bought the thunder with him over there. I'm looking at the Seattle game and I'm like, damn Jamal what, damn, what's happening? You know, and we let all this talent go. I see Robbie has like he's one of the top ten leading receivers in this in the league right now over the four weeks. But damn, I don't know what they're doing to say. They just took everything away and want him to prosper. None of it is his fault because they didn't surround him with weapons. They got the line is C C level talent, so of course not. They didn't even 
want to spend the money on the the best lineman to put in front of Sam. So he's running back there like he's he's scared all the time. He's like, okay, where's mm-hmm. the next hit going to come? The next hit's going to come from here. I don't know what the, who's going to protect me. And I'm glad that they got rid of Bellage because he couldn't block a damn thing for as a running back. Yeah. Yeah. Real. Yeah, it was so time for him to go. They definitely just, released him, and he, he he needed to go. There was a lot of missed blocks by him as well, you know, particularly yeah. in the last game. I know he tried to put something out saying, hey, they try to find a fall guy. Listen, when you play the way that you were playing, woo! Yeah, tell you something. Yep. And, it's time for you and to go, Adam man. Gates, his, he, he, his play calling is horrible. I don't know why. I know Sam must be frustrated. I know the players must be frustrated. I know he's putting everybody in the in the worst position to succeed, and that's that's just mm-hmm. they're doing a disservice to the whole team because Sam is looking like he's frustrated after every press conference. He doesn't even look like he's lively to be out there. He doesn't even look like he wants to play football. <laughs> he's like, when am I going yeah. home? <laughs> you know, because it is, yeah, yeah. Gates' play calling is just horrible. This whole yeah. franchise from top to bottom just did a disservice to this kid. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts about Beckton? Because Beckton, for a while, I, you know, a lot of people were saying he might be the best player we have offensively. I mean, this kid – Came out, he looked really good. You know, a lot of people were saying, "Hey, this this kid looks like he could be a franchise, uh, franchise tackle." You know, of course, he you know had a penalty, he gave up. I think it was a sack against the Bills. But ever since then, you know, there's been we've seen progression out of him. We've seen this guy really step up and hold the fort. I mean, he was throwing guys around in, in various games yep. before his shoulder injury. But how do you feel about him currently up until the point in this season? I love Beckton. I love the pick. I love every about him. I, I, I'm just frustrated that they even put him in the game when he was hurt and his shoulder was messed up. Yeah. And they, they show, they're so um, short-sighted, and Adam Gates don't know what the hell is going on. They're like, why? even in the press conference, they asked him. He's like, hey, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why he went out there. I don't know why Le'Veon. He just – this guy is just horrible, man. Yeah, everybody yeah. seems like they just come to him and say, Coach, I'm going in. And he say, okay, go on. <laughs> get her, go on, go on, get her. You know, you guys, you know, do what you want to do, you know. And, and, and it's the same thing with Osemele last year. It's like, damn, you push these guys so hard to get out there. And this this – Strength and conditioning team we have must be horrible as heck, man, because it's like oh, everybody's hurt this year. Everybody. You know, even oh. I can't see I can't see what Ashton Davis is about. I can't see what none of these rookies are about. They can't even make the field. It's like everybody's oh. hurt. Cage just went down on on Thursday as well. So it's like, damn, this roster is depleted. Yeah, yeah. When you look at uh, another guy that I was looking at, particularly coming into this year, was Herndon. I know a lot of people were hyped up yeah. about him. They were telling me how great he was going to be. They were telling me that he was going to, you know, really show the league what it was like and what he was going to be about this year. And I haven't seen enough out of Herndon. I haven't seen enough. And yeah. I want to get your assessment on him because I've seen quite a bit of drops. And I haven't seen this this big boom that everybody's talking about. I mean, how do you feel about Herndon, and what are your thoughts on him so far this season? Yeah, I, I, I love Herndon. I think he's a great tight end. I think it's the play calls. I think it's the system that he's in. Mm-hmm. It's not 
beneficial to him. And I think Adam Gates is just setting everybody up for failure. All of everybody looks like they don't want to play for him. They look Herndon is just looks like, all right, let me just run this. It's not something that Adam Gates looked like he went to them and said, hey, how you feel about this route? How you feel about running this play? It just seems like, hey, even with Sam, it seems like, hey, Sam, just run this play. Sam may say, no, it doesn't. I, I think this play is better. No, run the damn play, Sam. And, and he throws interceptions, and Herndon, Herndon is, is – and the one thing I, I loved about Sam is just his first year, what I saw under Jeremy Bates. Everybody can say what they want, but Sam in that game with um, Aaron Rodgers, and he they both put up 40. It was an electric game. I think Sam has that quality. And I think it's just Adam Gase and his play calling and the system that they're running right now. So I know Sam mm. has the ability to perform and put up numbers, but it's just the system that he's in and, the, and the, the lack of talent that's around him all the way around. So even if everybody's calling for Trevor Lawrence, why the hell are you yeah. going to put him back there? Because, you know, I could be back there at quarterback and do nothing. Anybody, McCorn could be back there and – you know, anybody, Jackson could be back there. Nobody's getting that ball out their hand. Nobody's doing anything for this team with this line the way it's constructed right now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, have Joe you, you got a point. Could, yeah, you can have Joe Montana back there and, and nobody will be successful. You know, and it just shows how the great teams are put together. Buffalo did a great job. Arizona did a great job. Baker Mayfield has every weapon that you could ask for in Cleveland. Yeah. And what we got? Yeah. We got trash here. We got boo. That's what. We, oh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know I, I don't know. I don't know what we got here. We have certain players, but the the organization did a disservice to Sam. It's criminal what they're doing to this team, this roster. And so I know it's. I know it's all horrible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. And so my final question before I let you go is, what are your takes on this team and how off, how often they're penalized? I know we talked about the talent issues, but, man, with the talent issues we have, you know, you can't really afford to give away yards the way we've been giving them away. How are your, What are your thoughts on how undisciplined this team is and the penalties that we give? Yeah, I think it goes back to the head coaching and the – the and uh, even it goes back to Joe Douglas and they kept pushing to us this this uh what, what were they saying? They said they were um trying to build a culture. This is the culture that you're building. I don't know what the hell. So it's, it's they have no culture there. It's just like they're just saying, hey, you know, they just having fun out there. It looks like because there's no culture, there's no accountability, there's nobody getting sat down. There's no Nothing. I, I just can't. I hate <laughs> rooting for this team at sometimes. And Arizona's going to come in Sunday and spank us again. Oh, my you goodness. Know, this is, this is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk it, it, about it, that. It, and, and, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Buda Baker's going to do. <laughs> and Man. all we had to give him was a fourth-round pick for Hopkins. Hopkins went for yeah. a fourth-round pick. Golly, this is crazy, man. Oh, crazy. man. Oh, man. <laughs> we have a little season, Listen, listen. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, that game coming up. But I, I want to thank you for calling in, man. And you have a good night.
You too, Joe. Have a good one, man. Appreciate okay, it. Have a good too. one. Oh, man. <laughs> what a call. Venom calling in, you know, letting it be known how he feels about this team and the current state of the New York Jets. It's it's tough, man. It's really tough. I try to, you know, I try to, I try to shine some light. I try to be positive. But, man, it is really tough to be a fan of this team right now. Um, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to come back to the callers in a second. I know we got some callers there. But uh, I'm going to get to this chat because my chat guys are really going off in the chat and they let it be known about, you know, what they think about the team and, how they feel about him so far. So dark in the chat, yo, salute to you, dark. Uh, dark in the chat says Herndon was always trash. Wow. <laughs> dark letting it be known how he feels about Herndon. Mr. Magic says Herndon equals a waste of oxygen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Mr. Magic's in the chat, you know, let it be known how they feel. I guess, you know, I guess they didn't really, uh, I guess they didn't really buy, you know, all the hype that was surrounding Herndon going into the season. Cause there was quite a bit, there was quite a bit, uh, Dark in the chat also says Joe Douglas has shown that he can plug holes and get solid players to fill in uh, till they get starters on his team and stars. Yeah, you know, hopefully we see. Dark says Becton, Mann are his best picks. Mims is, que- is a questionable pick right now. Yeah, you know, Dark's got a lot to say about Joe Douglas. I look at the situation and look, I'm not here to bang on Joe Douglas. I'm not. But if you look at this roster and you look how it's been constructed and you look at some of the players that he signed, there's quite a bit of guys that have not worked out. Um, we can go back to, you know, Khalil not working out. He's one of the, the worst free agent signings we've had in quite a bit. I mean, he was terrible at center. He was getting folks killed. You come into this season, now you got Pierre Desir, Greg Van Roden, who I didn't think was a good signing either. We've seen him get blown up in so many games. He's missed block after block after block in so many games. Uh, Perryman as well. A lot of people are looking at that Perryman signing and going, Mm, you let Robbie Anderson go. We walked into a situation where everybody was fired up about wide receivers. Everybody was hyped up about, you know, what we could have there. And uh, <laughs> look what you have here. Here's a guy that, you know, is injured quite a bit. He's still dealing with that knee injury, but he has a history of being injured. There were better wide receivers out there. And then you only came out of the draft with one other wide receiver. You only drafted one wide receiver. Like that's, that wasn't enough, you know? And so, especially when guys were still getting injured, there were other wide receivers that were still out there. We talked about Muhammad Sanu, uh, the last caller of Venom G's talked about, you know, Hopkins being out there. Uh, You know, there's various other wide receivers names that were thrown out there that were rumored to, you know, be out there ready for a trade. There were teams that were ready to get rid of wide receivers and he still didn't make a move on those either. So it's tough, man. It's really, really tough. Joe's made some, you know, some solid signings. He's had some guys come in and kind of work out, but the list of guys that did not work out, the list of guys that are getting beat, the list of guys that he's brought in that's hurting this team, it's getting, you know, longer and longer. <laughs> it's getting longer and longer. But, you know, we'll see what he does with this upcoming year as well. We'll see what he does. Maybe he makes a trade before the trade deadline. Uh, that would be big as well. So we'll see what he does going forward. But there's definitely some questions surrounding Joe Douglas and his construction of this football team as well. But now I'm going to go back to the callers. I'm going back to the callers, uh, three, four, seven, three, four, seven coming to you. I want to get your thoughts on this football team and where they stand currently. Yes. Yes. Three, four, seven. Um, that's me. That's me again. What's going on? Um, I, I agree. You're back again, um, huh? You find your way back again. Yeah, bro. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. about I was, it. I was just listening, but that's, it's all good. It's all good. Cause you know, we come real short that last time. Uh, I wanted yeah, to, yeah. I wanted to ask you know what I'm really impressed with you know there's not many things to be impressed about but if you're gonna if you're gonna you're gonna find anything positive about 
Panthers' current Jets team, look at look at your kicker. Look at Ficken and compare him this year to, to the rest of his career because he's 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 on. This kid's kid's on. Ficken is whatever they whatever he's asked for. He might have missed one. I think he missed one. Uh, I might have been an extra point, but that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. he got he got the majority. He's he's kicking probably like eighty percent of his kicks right now, and he's and he's doing his thing. Whenever you ask him to step up, I mean, one of them was called back on a penalty that he missed, but um, I mean, it's a, it, I mean it's it's something promising, something that you know promising compared to last year. Last year I was crying about the kicker. Yeah. This year I'm crying about the whole team. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, it, what you know, it is, look, I, I I hear what you're saying. I look at the situation with uh, with uh, with Ficken as well out there. I think he's done a decent job, but I'm looking at this offense, and I and I'm saying to myself, this offense has got to get better. We cannot continue to look the way uh, that we've looked, especially coming into this season so far. This looks like the same 32nd ranked offense. I think it's going to be tough. But I want to get your thoughts on Crowder. We know he's missed. You know he missed time because of the injury, but he came back. He looked. You know he had some plays. You know, in the last game, particularly against the Broncos, how do you feel about his performance so far this season? Well, just like last year, he's he's he's, show, he's doing his thing. He's he's pretty much our best our best wide receiver. He's a slot guy, but he's he, but the problem the problem is we have great guys, but everybody's hurt. Mims, he's fabulous. You know, he he, he he you know he's potential to be one uh, being all pro. Perryman, I, I was hoping Perryman have his best year yet. He he really he really shined in Tampa at the end of, the end of last year. And um, yeah, but don't you think that? I mean, don't you don't you look at the situation and say to yourself, if you're Joe Douglas, uh, because we were talking about Joe, you know, throughout this show we've talked about this. I understand Perryman, per, the Perryman move. You want to move on from Robbie Anderson? I get it. Okay, but when you bring in Brashad Perryman, don't you look at the situation and say, well, this this can't be you know, one of the few guys that I bring in. I've really got to go out there and really get more wide receivers because even though you talk about Perryman in the year that he had in Tampa, he also has a history of injuries. He has a history of being injured. He does. There's a long history of it. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, he's busted out in certain places. I mean, so even with even with Perryman being hurt, can you really excuse him only drafting one wide receiver in the draft as well? I mean, it, it was <clears> – <throat> It was terrible not to get somebody, but he, you know, he did pick up a couple undrafted free agents. I mean, you know, we won't want nothing, no, no superstars, but everybody's yeah, but trying. Go ahead. But yeah. I, I, no, I'm sorry, sorry, man. I just, I thought, I thought it was very critical in the in the fourth round to take jump on and take Morgan, man. That Morgan as the quarterback, really? the quarterback. I mean, the, I think it was. You know why? Because I. I I pitch I I seen him as a as a possible Brady man with the Patriots looking to get him, and we we jumped in and we stole them from the Patriots like Brady they they took Brady yeah. went in the sixth round and they you know they went all the way but I, I think I don't know I just I just felt that that was a that was a no, solid listen, I, that was a solid pick go ahead yeah and I hear you and I, and I respect your take but when you look at the situation of team needs and what we needed um, Morgan. Again, a backup quarterback, do we really need that over offensive linemen? Do we need that over wide receiver? Do we need that over corner? I, I could argue that we needed corners more than we needed a, a backup quarterback. We, hell, uh, a pass um, rusher. Why didn't you get a pass rusher in the fourth round? 
You know, I, I get it. And again, I'm not banging on Joe Douglas, but I remember saying this exactly after the draft. It was like, hey, look, I get that you wanted to draft the backup quarterback. You wanted to get a guy in. That's fine. But when you look at what we went into that draft with, the needs that we had, there's no way that you can look at this situation and go, okay, I'll take a backup quarterback before I take a corner, a pass rusher, a wide receiver, or offensive lineman. Because those are all the same issues that we had last year. Those are all of the same issues. And we're having those same issues this year. We can't block anybody. Sam has next to no weapons. We can barely cover anybody. Pierre Desir is getting beat left and right like he stole something. And we have nobody that can get after the passer. Nobody. Love, love each other. And, I yeah, told you got a backup quarterback, but how did you solve any of those issues? I, You know, I totally agree with you, but there shouldn't have been such a long, a laundry list of needs. They shouldn't have let it get to this point. We needed everything. I mean, everything and including a backup quarterback. Look at last year. Look what happened to us last year. When Sam, when Sam went out for a little bit. He had, Sam had to call in sick for, for a freaking – for an illness, and – we couldn't do nothing. We would just we lost every game. We were terrible. We had to, and we had to try. He had to try, and I don't know. I I, I put I I put the backup quarterback. Um, it's just as strong as needed. As every other position, you you almost every other position you just listed. And but how 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 do you how do you put how do you put backup quarterback how do you put backup quarterback as as much of a need as any of the other positions I've just listed. How? Because you can go sign a veteran backup quarterback and be fine, but you can't go out there and and bring in guys like Pierre Desir or even hell, even pass rushers. You go out there and try to sign a pass rusher in free agency. You're going to pay out of your nose. You're going to pay out of your nose. If you're trying to get a top, you know, offensive lineman, because we had holes in our offensive lines, the same holes that we pretty much have this year. We're, we're still having issues at guard. You know, Van Roten is kind of uh, – not Van Roten, uh, McGovern is kind of up and down at center. I don't think he's necessarily played extremely well either. So there's been, there's been big issues. And, I, and, again, I'm not here to bang on Joe Douglas. I completely understand for everyone that is listening, I know for a fact that Mike McCagnin screwed this roster up. I know that. I was a guy banging to get him fired for years. <laughs> I wanted him gone, and I get it. But And I know that it took a long time to jack this roster up, and it's going to take quite you know, a, a bit more time to make it better. I get it. But when you're telling me that we're going into a draft with the needs that we have or needs that we had, and you take a, you take a quarterback in the fourth round when it was vital for us to you know, get something in there, whether it be an offensive lineman or a, play, a wide receiver, a playmaker – for our offense or a corner or a pass rusher, I just I can't I, I can't deal with that. But I, I'm going to move on from that because you know we can agree to disagree there. Well, but I, I want to get to I want to get to the defense with you real quick though. I want to get to the defense with you real quick, and I want to get your thoughts on this. A lot of people are looking at the trade, uh, Bradley McDougal, and they're saying, "Hey, this guy's not playing very well either." How are you, how are your feelings about his play so far? And what are your thoughts? You know, looking back at that trade now. Well, you know, I'm still I'm not. I'm not totally angry about it because of what we have coming, which which is first round mm-hmm. pick, and um and first round pick plus, but I think his first game didn't he have a, didn't he have an interception on his first game? I mean, you can you can't do it every game, but he had a you know he he's he's doing his thing a little bit, but just not not to cut you off, I'm so sorry, but 
with, with in reference to everything else we talked about, we were talking about a fourth round freaking fourth round college players, man, that we were drafting, and and we're not gonna grab mm-hmm. a, a, a great cornerback, a great um outside linebacker. We're not gonna great you know great players in that fourth round. But he's what he tried to do. Remember, we got Clark. Clark is was I think that was his. That was um like that was Joe Douglas's freaking sleeper pick because he was gonna get mm-hmm. regardless. He was so happy he was still there. And I think I think he also got him in, in like maybe like the fourth round, and um and at, when, when, if if he heals up, if everybody can get healthy and play, I think everything was gonna come in and come together. Everybody's hurt, and that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, can't blame well, Sam for everything. I'm putting it on him, but. You know, I'm just, I mean, just no, like yeah, all listen. of us, I'm, I'm venting, I'm venting like all of us. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> and that's what, that's, yeah, that's what this is for. Yeah, McDougal doesn't have an interception, but my, my thing is that uh, when I look at McDougal right now, and again, I'm not banging on Joe Douglas for that trade. I thought it was a phenomenal trade, but when you look at the play of McDougal, it, it has not been good. We've seen him, you know, kind of make business decisions. I remember, again, against the Colts, you know, him not making that tackle was critical. He's been getting beat. We saw him against Niners. He was getting beat, guys like that. But even going mm-hmm. back to that fourth-round pick, listen, I hear you. You know, you can still find guys that are going to be serviceable in the fourth round, especially if we're talking about offensive linemen, especially. Okay, there's, there's yeah. tons of offensive linemen that have been picked in those mid-rounds, those third. This is the same kind of thing where we talked about with Mike McCagney, but it's not on the same level because he's not busting out drafts. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when you mm-hmm. look at this situation where, hey, if, if you're trying to make a decision between, you know, what you need and drafting a backup quarterback, you need to go with what you need. And I don't think we needed a backup quarterback, not over wide receiver, not over, uh, you know, offensive line and not over corner or pass rusher. We should have attacked something more. And that's why we're in the position that we're in. I understand, you know, getting a backup quarterback is great. People want to talk about the Patriots. That's all well and fine. But we still have a lot of the same issues that we had last year, a lot of the same ones. And even if these injuries, again, Le'Veon Bell, we're talking about Le'Veon Bell being injured, Mims being injured. First off, Le'Veon Bell was never utilized correctly in the scheme. So it's almost like he wasn't, even when he was playing, he wasn't getting touches at all. So did that really hurt you? Mims, Mims, I'm looking to see what he gives us. But, again, he's a rookie wide receiver. What can you really expect out of him? So, you know, I mean, it it, it kind of is what it is. It is what it is there. Well, it it, it is, but look at week five. And look look who could be starting week five. A backup quarterback. A backup quarterback. And we need a backup quarterback for a backup quarterback. And that would be our, our pick. Morgan. Well, um, no, 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 no. Um, Flacco. Flacco is going to be starting more than likely. Well, if anything, it's going to be but, it's going to be Joe yeah, Flacco. It's yeah, not going to yeah. be. Uh, but, it's not going to be Morgan. So yeah. even but, even though again, would be the backup, you can go sign a veteran guy like Joe Flacco and bring him in, and he can be your starter. Yeah. Again, yeah. if yeah. you need to get younger and better at certain positions, that's what you should do. So that just you know, yeah. look, I get it. Well, again, no, I'm not banging on Joe Douglas, but I think you that move, that trade, or not that trade, excuse me, that that draft pick, that draft that could pick. have been utilized yeah, on, yeah. on something else that we actually needed a bit more. Yeah, but he he, I mean, now you saying you're talking about the defense, but he did pick up he did pick up um some solid free agents, and look, they're they're on they're they're out sick too. On on Wosua, they were supposed to be a he's supposed to be a really good you know really good linebacker, and he you know yeah, he on the floor he and 
yeah, if we put if we put him with CJ, it would have been fantastic, phenomenal. But unfortunately, he would you know he was replacing CJ, and he can't he couldn't take the field once yet. So I mean, yeah. he's yeah. trying, but you know we got to really look over everybody's medical ten times over it. But this is just, this is just the Jets, and this is the way it's been for many years. It doesn't matter who's who's making the calls. It's just our luck, and that's how I feel. Yeah. And if this all came together. You know, hey, I mean, hopefully I'm wrong, but we might we might be freaking we might we might be talking about this in two years with with the quarterback Morgan coming in. I mean, we, I mean, we we had to get a couple of gems out of here, like like the guard Clark, that pick. When once he's healed and he's playing, I mean, once everybody starts, all well, these guys start playing together. I I mean, I I I just have high expectations for everybody, but I'm you know I'm a Jeff fan, so. You know, I have yeah. to. I got. I mean, I got. I got to take it. Got to go for yeah. my guy. Look, I hear you, man. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. And I'm right there no, with you, but like, you know, I've got yeah, questions. I know. Come I know. Says, I, I've got questions, I hear you. especially I know. again. I Listen, with the issues that we've had. So, hey. uh, again, man, well, I, well, I want well, to well, thank well, you for well, calling well, in, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Of course, of course, of course. Well, what fun would it be if we all agreed on everything? We all had the same brain, you know. So that's a fact. Hey, that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but ho- you know, hopefully somebody will somebody will pop out. You know, Bell's coming back, so week five, we have a we, you know we have that going for us, right? Yeah. Beckton should be yeah, playing yeah. next so, week as well, right? We, I mean, hey, once Mims gets it back we'll, in, that, yeah. what what did you think? Yeah. What did you think? We'll when definitely, you, when we'll definitely see what happens there. Yeah, well, hopefully, so. hopefully everything works out good. Well, well, let me let me ask you your thoughts. What about I thought it was okay. a pretty pretty solid pick when we um, um signing when we we um got Hogan, to, you know Hogan to come well, in. Well, you know here's the thing, and this is, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about this, uh, and this because I gotta let you go because I got other guys coming on. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah listen, I, I thought that I thought that the the signing of Hogan was solid. Um, I thought it was a it was a decent move, but there were other wide receivers out there as well that I thought we should target it, especially when you looked at our core. And how you know we were going into the season. Even if you had Mims, you were starting Perryman. Doxon had opted out, but even then, Doxon is not like you know an amazing wide receiver. So you're starting with Perryman, Doxon, Mims, and Crowder. You know that's what we were looking at. And it was like, hey, we're going into the season. Well, who's our number one? Who's the guy that's gonna? Who's the guy that Sam is gonna be able to go to and really just shut things down? And we didn't have any answers to that. Some people even said, hey, we don't even really have a number two because they didn't trust Bashad Perryman because of the injury issues. And we're starting to see that, you know, kind of play out from time to time. Uh, so I, I, I like I thought it was a signing that they made that they had to make at that point because there were, you know, injuries here and there. But they were just I just wish we would have ran after other guys. I wish we would have made some trades. I honestly wish that we would have drafted more wide receivers because there were again, you looking yeah. at this draft and I know you probably know, but. Going into the season, well, people sure. were screaming, or going into the draft, excuse me, people were screaming that this may be yeah, yeah. the best draft at wide receiver. You know, the depth is one of the best in NFL history. So, yeah, you know, and it is what it is, man. But bringing him in, I thought, you know, helped. But again, man, I want to thank you uh, for calling in tonight. It was great to talk Jets with you. Please call in the next time I do my show, man. You're phenomenal. Absolutely. A pleasure. Pleasure is always Long Beach. All right. All right you have man. a good one, man. Take it easy, bro. Yes, yes sir. Bye bye. Whew, what a phenomenal call. Um, a lot of great stuff to talk about tonight, man. He he absolutely brought the heat. 
had a lot to say about the Jets and their current state. Listen, you know, I understand, you know, people want to, you know, not talk about some of the moves that have been made and things that have happened, but you got to look at this situation. You got to say, hey, we understand, you know, Adam Gaze, not a great coach, right? We need to move on from him. We look at the protection. It's not there. We look at the wide receiver court. It's not there. There's some issues there, weapon, uh, issues there with lack of weapons. But you got to look at Joe Douglas and you got to say, hey, you know, could he have done a better job? Are there certain things that he could have done that could have helped better this football team? What are some of the signings that we've seen him make that up until this point, you know, look like they have not panned out? Pierre Desir, Greg Van Roten, Perryman, you know, it's – it, it, it's it's tough. It's really, really tough. And I understand, you know, that he wants to build through the draft and that's that I'm with that. I'm all with that. But, you know, even if you're looking at the situation built through the draft, I talked about this in nauseum, getting rid of Jamal Adams was crucial. If you want to build through the draft, if you want to do that, that's why I was screaming to get rid of him before the draft, because you could have utilized that capital, those picks taken from Jamal Adams, you could have utilized that in that draft. You could have ended up with one or two more, you know, picks and in, in that draft. And then you could have used that to better your football team immediately. Maybe you end up with two more wide receivers. You know, maybe you end up with a CD Lamb or somebody like that later on if you trade down. The possibilities could have been endless. So, you know, I love Joe Douglas, and, and I'm not banging on him. I'm just saying when you look at him, you got to also evaluate uh, his situation, you know, for sure as well. And some of the things that he's done that kind of contributed – uh, you know, to, to the issues on this roster. So with all that said, I want to thank you folks for watching. Um, it, it's been amazing. Thank you folks for listening as well, wherever you're listening to me from. Uh, it's been amazing. We had a great interview with Marty Lyons. That was great. I love talking to all of you folks. So listen, I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe Show. Like that page. The content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about you folks think I do here on The Long Beach Joe Show. I'm also on Twitter as well at YoungJ000 to three zeros. Go ahead and follow me. I'll follow you right back. You want to troll me? No issues. I'm the troll that lives under the bridge, and I will have my Darnold jersey on. You can also follow the show's page at The Long Beach Joe. Uh, go ahead, you know, follow me on that page. Uh, you know, we talk Jets. We do all kinds of stuff. I'm also on YouTube as well at The Long Beach Joe Jets. Uh, you know, go ahead, subscribe to that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Go ahead and give it a watch. You want to troll me, no issues. You can troll me in the comments. We can go back and forth in there as well. And as always, folks, when you see me in person, all right, it is arms out, chest open, free hugs for everyone, okay? Free hugs for everyone that will cost you absolutely nothing. Don't let anybody tell you any different. So you folks have a good one. Peace. Peace. <laughs>